Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to the D.L. Hughley Show Uncut. Our first guest is a U.S. counterterrorism intelligence officer and MSNBC contributor. Welcome, Malcolm Nance. I, I got to tell you, welcome to, I got to tell you, I'm a big fan of yours. And usually oh, I don't, like, I. I don't yeah. like spies at all. But <laughs> <laughs> He's a good spy. <laughs> any, any dudes I know named Malcolm weren't spies, they were snitches, and that's a whole different thing. <laughs> Come on, man. No black. Lives matter. Yeah. yeah, very good. I'll do the jokes. You just keep us from being invaded. How about that? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm very, you, you know, you, you, you have a way of taking very complicated, nuanced, uh, you know, uh, intelligence and, 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 and kind of making it uh, bite-sized, digestible pieces. Um, my problem, what I see right now is a nation full of people who don't care that America becomes a failed state, who don't, who, who, who don't really believe in it. They, they couldn't love America, or the America they've always loved or pretended to love, if they're allowing um, it, to be, it, it to become the equivalent of a failed state. Sure. And, you know, the problem is, is it's more than the 73 million people that voted for Donald Trump. You have to understand that in the 2016 election, 120 million eligible Americans didn't vote at all. Sure, sure. They didn't even bother. Sure. And so many of them were led to believe by a lot of propaganda, certainly in our community. My own barber in Philadelphia said, what have we got to lose voting for Donald Trump? But the one thing I found out after the election is they didn't Trump, but they didn't vote at all. Right. And so by creating a, a, a network or a, a, a bubble of apathy, around our own community and all other communities, people who really could benefit from good governance won't. And people who, you know, don't participate don't see anything but bad governance, especially when we're dealing with essentially a wannabe dictator like Donald Trump. No, no, Trump. he does. But wasn't that the game? Wasn't that the game to create so much mistrust and apathy that it was indecipherable? Like, I hear people go, listen, 
Joe Biden, the crime bill, and Kamala's, and I understand all that. No one's without fault. But they're distinctly different types of human beings. And they're distinctly different types. You, You have people now who will not accept the results of an election that is slanted in both the Republican favor and the incumbent's favor. Like, you have everything. Like, literally... It's hard to beat an incumbent president because of all the levers of power that he has, even if he used them legally and Trump was willing to use them illegally. But right. you lost and you cheated and lost and you're mad. <laughs> like, that's what I don't understand. <laughs> you know, this is the ultimate manifestation of the man. I mean, this, everything that we had is this cartoonish character of people who abuse power, people who could actually come in and use those levers and manipulate hatred against black people and, you know, sideline education and call their stupid people, the you know, the, you know, call people stupid and make them feel like being dumb is a virtue. Right. Right. This is literally that character, the man, the you know, the elderly white guy who manipulates the country. Only Trump did it out loud. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Off, did it in your face. And then said, look, I'm entertainment. You should be entertained. That's a that's an indictment against ourselves and our own education. But 73 million people voted for all of his abuses yeah. because not because of just racism. And I said this on Bill Maher's show last Friday. Um, it's not just racism, but they have no problem with racism. What they voted for was tribalism. They were going to. They were promised by Donald Trump they would remain the dominant tribe in America. White, male, doesn't matter whether you're uneducated or educated, you will always be the superior party, numbers be damned. And they said, hey, that's a good idea. Let's go with that. You know, it, it really <laughs> flies in the face of American history. If white people wanted to be dominant, they wouldn't have brought us here. We wouldn't be here in the first place. Like, as a matter of fact, I can't think of anything that's good pure white. Like, potatoes ain't good, rice ain't good. Like, if you eat anything pure white, you're going to see an endocrinologist pretty soon. It, hell, even cocaine got to get cut. I mean, I mean, nothing. But, but this idea of this purity where America never was that and ne- always needed an influx of black and brown people to start to ascend and become the reason that we we were something, and I think that that's debatable now. I think the idea of America at a, a, a as a as a construct is is over. If 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 it's not over, it's certainly on life support. Um, no, yeah, I I agree with you on that point. On what with one condition, because Barack Obama just said this the other day. America is in a period of crisis. We've had a lot of crises in our history. Look, I'm a born and bred Philadelphia. I literally go stand and sit at the places where the American democracy was founded, including the cemetery right behind Independence Mall, which was a, a historically black cemetery during the revolution that's filled with thousands of bodies of unknown white soldiers right next to the black servants. The, the promise of the American experiment is such that we know we're going to go two steps backwards but we will continue to move forward. 
and we have have actually yeah but Malcolm, I, I, dis- I, I disagree i disagree i disagree i think that's the problem okay. of black americans and brown like we understand we had to go two steps forward uh and get one we understood that we un- we had to work twice as hard to get half as far but that's i think that america becoming resigned to that fact is what we're going through right now the fact is yeah. that that we have always th- th- i'm going to say something that i truly believe Black and brown people love America much more than people who always had a right to her. We love her in spite of what happened. You're right, because we're conscious of what it took to create Right. Look, my family, every man's man has served in the armed forces since 1864. I heard you say that. I heard you say that several times. I got a niece who's fighting, who was in fighting off combat off Yemen last year. I mean, we do it because we love the country. We understand the concept. The, you know, we we know what the American experiment means. But when the American experiment has always been a, a right, a birthright granted to you by dint of skin color, and you don't care and, you know, and, whether you have to re-engineer it and turn it into something that is no longer what it originally was. I think that America is, is, is becoming, I love this country, but I'm flummoxed by the things that I see. Uh, America, this is America fulfilling its promise. This is America saying that we all are created equal. This is America saying that you can come here and become something. Um, this is America saying that it's, we all, we're all we this great melting pot and this great experiment. Uh, right. This is also, it's particularly interesting that almost every demographic is experiencing an uptick in mortality, except mm-hmm. for older white men. Being white and being married to the idea of what it is is killing you. It is literally lessening your life and taking away the prospects you could have for a richer life because you are stuck in some idea of what was what is a birthright that now is a jump ball. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I can win, like yeah. I can win just like you can. Yeah, you know, you're you you and I you understand that. I understand that. Everyone who watches your show understands that. But the average person on the street, they could be presented with those facts and they would say the exact same thing that I've heard, you know, since my brother was hanging out on 52nd Street in Philadelphia 30, 40 years ago. Well, how does that affect me? Well, it affects you when you go to the hospital. Right. It affects right. you if you get a, a virus that can be mortal right. to our community. But if you're living day to day, hour to hour, dollar to dollar, it never seems like it gets ahead. And my problem is, is that the conservatives, the Trump Republicans, have managed to manipulate the... The, the belief that African Americans don't get ahead into voting for a guy that would destroy them. Right. Yeah. But but you know what's interesting yeah. to me? I, I don't. That doesn't really. I think the story isn't the people that that that, that decide. It's that it's that ninety percent of us didn't. It's that it's that it's the fact that seventy five percent of Latins did. It's the fact that sixty percent of white people decided they wanted to vote for the pathological lying racist. Oh <laughs> they decided that. So if you if you saw if you saw ten black people nine of them voted for Biden you saw uh, ten uh, Latin seven of them voted for Biden but if you saw ten white people most of them voted for him most most of them voted for Trump but they say that the few that got sheared off the it it, it ain't a problem with Little Wayne it's Mom Pa Kettle that are yep. the problem yeah well Mom and Pa Kettle are very good examples if you recall those uh, movie characters from the nineteen thirties and forties right. Well-meaning, good-spirited, running around with a gun, but you know, I'm certain there was another part of Mar Paul Kettle. Where they were <laughs> yeah. and, you know, I mean, 
our version of the American dream, you know, is it's one filled with our heart where we literally gave our strength, our labor to build the Capitol, the White House. And other people think that because they are, as someone once said to me, born free, white, and young, or young, white, and free, that they're entitled to everything. And and that goes down to these the, the, the individual who doesn't have an high school education that might be high on crystal meth most of the time, runs around in a beater car, it cuts right back to the old slave era statement that the lowest white man is better than the highest, most educated, wealthy black man. That is an inherent systematic structural flaw in what is keeping people from even allowing that the American dream should be equal. Yeah. I think that if you use words like equal and fair, it, but this election was particularly telling to me, and I'll tell you why, because uh, this was a daunting task, to say the least. You had a, a president who was dictatorial, uh, who who you know didn't mind destroying the post office because he anticipated there would be mail-in ballots, didn't mind putting his uh, citizenry at risk, didn't mind lying, uh, said all these things in power, and it, it was a daunting task, and they still lost. What's, what's scaring people right now is despite it shows you what people uh, united can do against very power against very powerful odds that 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 you, you saw what uh, the, the the Latins did in uh, the, our Latin brothers and sisters did in Arizona and Nevada. It's daunting that apparatus. Uh, what they did in Georgia, what they did in Wisconsin, what they did because it was clearly that people who are not what people think, uh, when you think of Americans, you certainly don't think <laughs> of of the people that kind of carry the day. Um, or and pop, We do, but I think a lot of people don't. And in spite of everything they did, they lost. And that's frightening. That's that's frightening right now. That, that means that everything they did failed, and I'd rather tear this country up. Well, you know, I'm writing a book right now about what I call the coming Trump insurgency. And it's, you know, an insurgency is a political paramilitary uh, movement which is designed to tear down the stability structures of a nation and replace them with a revolutionary substitute. This thing is not over. We are in a pause period where we can right some of the wrongs, we can correct some of the actions of Donald Trump. He's not joking when he says he's going to run for president in 2024. Because one, he needs money. Two, he has this base of support. 73 million Americans who would rather destroy the nation if so long as it cannot be forged in their image and so that they don't have to share with Americans, uh, people of color, or women, or gays, or any other person outside of their very narrow tribe. You know, the funny thing about it is is that my family served in the military in order to protect the opportunity for everyone to participate within this country. And there was a woman that was interviewed at a Trump rally last year, and she said, you know, I didn't think that America should have a dictator, but if we have to have one, it should be Donald Trump. I see that sentiment all day, every day. So, so let me get this right straight. You believe that there is going to be the equivalent of what banana republics have, what other countries have, where they're going to be rebels and, and armed insurgents who 
attack military installations and soft targets and, and all the things that you read about going on somewhere else? Well, you know, in the counterinsurgency world, we call the insurgency has three phases uh, that were developed mainly under Mao Zedong. Phase one insurgency is political. And what you do is you create a counteracting party whose job it is to subvert the legitimacy of the established Calling press the enemy, calling the legitimate press the enemy and the other side the enemy and people, right, okay. That's right. But on the, up, on the, sub, on the subversive side, you have them create armed militias, armed paramilitary organizations, and they engage in subversive activity like knocking down power grids or doing what I call vanilla ISIS convoys, right? You saw those convoys yeah, all yeah, happen yeah, during yeah. the campaign. Imagine those convoys with armed people using that as, they, they do it legally, but they do it in an effort to intimidate entire population. There was a call for white truckers, Trump-supporting truckers, to shut down the American highway. At some point, all of these things are going to happen. And these are textbook phase one insurgency uh, that we actually train to defeat in other countries. If what, what stops that is this pushback from people who decide that this is not where they want to live. And my right. concern, uh, to your point, is that there aren't enough of those people. There aren't enough people who decide that, uh, because I think America, to me, for, for, for a lot of black and brown people and others, I would call them people who this coalition, they, their best way forward, their best way up is forward. Their best way, the, the, they, they have to move forward. Uh, movement is life. For the other side, going back is the way they want to say it. So you have these two like converging forces, one who wants to move forward because that's the only way that we can ever hope that anything happens, and the other one who wants to stay rooted where they were. And, and this America's in the middle. The idea of her is in the middle, and I think you have these forces, and I don't know that there are going to be enough people opposing the other side. We ha actually have more than enough people. Uh, this summer, the, the protests uh, in, in support of George Floyd, which took place not just in the United States but all around the world, has actually finally given young Americans, black, white, Latino, uh, of all stripes, the, the incentive to get outside of their houses. And granted, they were stuck there because of coronavirus. <laughs> right, right, they, right. They, they got was the incentive. But if you can go out on the street every night and protest, those young people finally came to vote on election day. We have to maintain the coalition as it exists right now. Because I'm going to tell you, we have a lot of people who are all thinking, yay, we won. We're going to offer some kumbaya to the Republicans, and they're going to come along, and we're going to do great over the next four years. No, this is Barack Obama 2.0. They have already openly and publicly committed to ensuring this government fail. But we have the added attraction of Donald Trump on Twitter, out of office of president, essentially acting like Saddam Hussein mm. from a bunker with his Houdet and Hussein sons and daughters out there declaring this government is not legitimate and that it must be torn down for the next four years. So nothing's going to change unless we make a change. Now, what does that look wow. like? Because that's, that's very Scary, interesting. Scary, I know that. 
I'm a scary guy. Yeah, yes, you are. indeed. Well, you, you're literally a spook. Like, like I don't mean that. I don't, I'm not even trying to be offensive. Spooky spook is what we call it. So, I mean, yeah. not the way they're saying it in a bar right now. I mean, like, 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 like uh, not at a Trump rally. I mean, um, so you have given us uh, the diagnosis. You, you are, We understand. What is the prescription? Well, the prescription is the one thing that actually happened several times this year. Vladimir Putin gave a speech about three years ago where he warned Donald Trump about populist action, about people power. The one thing that the Russians hated was when Ukraine had these, you know, these, these former Soviet states were having these color revolutions, the Orange Revolution in the Ukraine, the Estonians rising up. People power terrifies dictators. The election of 2020 was a people power action. But we, I don't think we would have had the level of participation that that we, we would have had we not had these protests during the summer, had we not had coronavirus, had we not suddenly seen the American experiment was about to utterly fail after 245 years. People are now motivated, and we have to, we can't do like we did with the Women's March, right, in 2017. We can't just have one march and say, well, we're, we're good, we're just going to let this guy do his thing. No, we have to stay focused. We now have to win Georgia, both Senate seats, and we have to constantly mobilize to defend what we have. I, I gotta, I, I gotta ask you. I know, you, I know, you gotta go, and I just, I, I really am the biggest fan of yours because, I, honestly, you, I can actually understand what you're talking about. So it, it, it must be digestible. Um, you sound hopeful, and that's in contrast to the backdrop of this dystopian view, <laughs> idea of what we could become. Why do you sound hopeful? Oh, let me tell you something. I've defended this country in operations and activities and places in this world which would terrify you. I'm not joking. I mean, no, you know, no, I, yeah, I've read your books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You scare me bad. now, and I'm, you know. <laughs> so, the so. problem is, and, and I've said this many times, is that, you know, I don't mind dealing with third world potentates. But I now, 2016, I have to start looking behind my back and realize that my government was the equivalent to a, a Russian autocrat or a Turkish dictator and was in love with a North Korean communist tyrant who mass murders his own people. So now it was very easy to do assessments of just how much danger we were in. But you know what? We have always come together. The nation is made up of true patriots. The problem is we have 73 million Americans who have been blinded by sheer propaganda, by foreign activities, which have led them to believe that our worst enemies are our bestest buddies, and a president who is obviously in debt to a foreign power and decided that autocracy far bet was far better than, uh, than democracy. Well, you know what? We have proven him wrong. The guardrails have held, and now we need to strengthen them and go out and break this coalition that they have. But I have some bad news for you. Before. Did you have good news? There's, Where was the good news? More? Like, what was, more bad news? <laughs> Where was the uh, Wait, I missed. I missed the good news, too. I was like, I thought that was the bad news. <laughs> good uh, day. Damn. He's like the Sharday of, like, of the intelligence world. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> Give me the good the news. The good news is that we're focused. 
The bad news is they're focused. I, I mean, I monitor right-wing extremist traffic all day. I watch what people are saying in the right-wing media. These people are using, on the far end, eliminationist rhetoric. I mean, I saw a meme the other day that was calling for the democratic extinction. I saw it. The QAnon cult uh, conspiracy theory is burning through the Republican Party. I suspect that within a year, it will be the dominant platform of the Republican. Uh, you know, you know. And the you... only thing we can do, the best thing we could do, is break up Facebook. But you know, it's, and I don't disagree. I think because I think it's become something it, it wasn't intended. But what gives me hope, even though I'm I'm a pretty cynical guy, is that if you look all over the world, and particularly even in this country, we have always had to face men like this. We have always had to face odds like this. Every advancement we've ever had has been over the protests of men like this. In South Africa, it was over the protests of men like this. They are not, you know, bullets kill men, not ideas. And the bottom line to us is they are much weaker than us because we know all we have is is forward. All we have is that. Yeah. It, it, you know, I was I was asked today how would I how would I attack this if I was in the Biden administration? Do you remember the public service announcement on television, the old PSAs where the government would say put on your seatbelt or something right, like right, that? Right. Well, Trump has set the pace for using the government to share information. We need to now re-harness and take back patriotism in the first phase by saying that looking out for the health of the nation is patriotic. Why would you want to work with a foreign ally to weaken this nation because you don't want to wear a mask? You wear your seatbelt, right? You wear all other things that the government... Helmet, don't smoke and... Pasteurized milk. So we have to take the, the, the reins of government and I'm sorry... This administration is going to have to govern over that 40%, whether they like it or not. Absolutely. They all benefit that 40%, yeah. but they don't know that. They're out calling us literally communists. That's what I see every day, that we're communists. This is a, and they support a president that literally kisses a communist in Helsinki and shares love letters with a communist in North mm, Korea. Yeah. I don't get it. Mm. I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to listen to the spook. I'm, I'm going to listen to him, too. <laughs> <laughs> this is the friendly... Bad news and all. This is the friendly ghost for real. <laughs> hey, thank you, Malcolm. Uh, thank, thank you, man. You so uh, thank you for sharing all that with us. We appreciate it, man. It's and you be careful. my pleasure. Anytime. Thank you, man. Take care. All right. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. 
Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Our next guest is an author and a political commentator. His book, My Vanishing Country, a memoir, is available wherever books are sold. It's Bakari Sellers. Hey, my dude, you all right? Man, I'm good. I was bumping to the music. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can when you're a New York Times bestseller. Exactly. You got to say that, New York Times well, bestseller. I didn't want to show you up, you know. No, that feels good to say. Please say it. Yeah, 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 yeah. New York Times yeah, bestseller. I, I, I've author. done it a few times myself. Let me tell you, it's a <laughs> wonderful you feeling. Say that. You know what's interesting? Uh, even that speaks to what we want to talk about because you're you're a political activa- activist and a, com- a commentator, uh, which is very hard for a particular. It's not a it's not a genre that tends to tends to uh, sell a lot of books, but you did it anyway. Like that that's not yeah. what you, what people buy. Like it has to be funny or how to or. But you managed to to sell a book uh, a lot of a lot of books that were about a a thing that people kind of have an abstract concept of. That was interesting. During, during a pandemic. Too. Right. Right. I, right. right, yeah. right. I, did a, I did a whole book tour uh, with no pants on. Just right. sitting in front of my computer. With no just, pants on. Uh, That's interesting. Uh, <laughs> you could go work at Fox News now. It's crazy. So. <laughs> no, but, but, you know, I think that right now, and, and I oftentimes say that this is kind of one of the, the, the weird, tangible benefits of the election of Donald Trump, that people just want your unabashed truth right now. Right. In my book, I was able to speak. I was authentic, and I was able to speak my truth to power. Um, you know, I'm a country boy. Three stoplights and a blinking light. Denmark, South Carolina. And for far too long, when people said rural or when people said working class, they meant white. And I'm like, no, I grew up with a bunch of rural, working class black folks, and I wanted to tell their story. You, you know, when you talk about your country vanishing, for a lot of black people, the idea of America is just really appearing the uh, or the potential of it is really appearing like and i think that there are some people who believe it's vanishing but for us the smoke and fear is really hope like that, that it could actually change as as evidenced by the last election cycle um do you think that can be cuz in order for there to be a reconciliation there had to be a conciliation that we've never reconciled ourselves with what's going on here but do you think that there can be a a kind of forging a way forward in this country so there, there are two things. One is, and I think you'll appreciate this. My grandma, you know, how old folk got saying right. that that don't make sense. Right. To get to it. <laughs> right, right. My grandma would always say, "You can't fall off the floor." Um, and there's so many of us, there's so many people in this country, particularly black folk, who feel like we are on the floor, and that is the difficult part: having to realize that we have to reach an extended hand over to to, to help us get up. Uh, many times we have to get up on our own. So that that's first. When you talk about reconciliation, um, you know, one thing that I'm tired of is people are oftentimes saying, well, 
when are black folks going to forgive? And we are always in this position where we have to forgive first when nobody's apologized. Right, right, right. No one said and, I'm sorry. Yeah, no one said I'm sorry, but yet, yet and still black folk are still supposed to forgive. Look, 401 years ago, we came into this country. They took absolutely everything from us, but our, our hopefulness and our faithfulness. And although, as my grandma would always say, we're still on the floor together. Black folk always will maintain that hope, and we always will maintain that faithfulness. I I I believe that black people love America more than anybody. Black and brown people love America more than anybody. I think that we have seen the uh, the, the worst of her, and still ha- hold out hope for her. And I think conversely, people have seen what they feel is the best. I think what's going on with a lot of people now is they're seeing the America that doesn't just bend their way and do it. Like case in point, you know that by any standard, whether you agree with the electoral college or not, which I do not, you still lost by the you still lost by Alabama. I'm talking about the population of Alabama and a couple of the Dakotas and Vermont. You lost by that many people. But the notion that you believe you won and that there are people who believe it, it says to me that I'm really American. They shouldn't be voting anyway, and my I should count more. You know, the funny thing about what you're saying is that there, there are a large swath of white folks, particularly white college-educated folks, who will look at you and be like, I can't believe it got this bad. Oh my God! <laughs> and black folks looking like, nah, we we right, right, right. Like we shall overcome. Like right. we know this is right. like Donald Trump, and Donald Trump didn't start racism. No, like it, it's been here before him. It's gonna be here after him. And now he was he was an arsonist who tried to who we elected to put out a fire. But that's a whole different story. And fifty five percent of white women on that one. But what we have to begin to do is is try to figure out how we get finally to what I want for black folks, yeah, is I want black folks to finally be able to get to that point where we can scream and actualize black power. And when I say that, I mean black economic power and I mean black wealth. Those are two things, and black political power, excuse me. Those are two things which we don't have, which we need to attain. I think that we we haven't harnessed it, but I, but I will say this. I think now um, it's very hard to beat an incumbent president. Uh, just, just because of the levers of power that he can legally use, but particularly a, an amoral man like this, a demagogue, who would do whatever. Like when you're telling me the, the, the post office is rigged, but you, I mean, the election was rigged, but you didn't say shit about the post office or trying to burn it down. Or trying, just so... If you, if you, if, so, so the, but it's tough to beat them. And I think what's very frightening, it's tough to beat an incumbent president anyway. It's tough to be one using legal measures, but it's much tougher to use somebody who has no governors. And he and he cheated and lost, and lost, and he lost because black, brown, and he <laughs> black and brown people and young uh, white educated people formed a coalition that was not like what we'd seen before and beat him, right? And beat him and sizably. Not that, but not only that, I mean, you know, what I look at the stat I look at, not only did black folks turn out in Milwaukee, uh, Pittsburgh, uh, Philadelphia. Um, and you look in Detroit, black folk just, and, and Atlanta and Las Vegas. But look at Navajo Indians. Yes. And Donald Trump got beat 97 to 3. You know how hard it is? 
<laughs> by a group of people in an entire state, they literally hate you. Right. Uh, you knew it was bad so, when the casinos were closed that day on the third. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't nobody playing blackjack. <laughs> Listen, I will just tell you that the coalition that Joe Biden built is not the Obama coalition by any stretch. No. He ain't beat Joe Biden. And this is the funny part about politics. Politics is like golf, man. You hit one good shot and it brings you back. The unique fact about Joe Biden, who would have ever guessed that Joe Biden would have this transcendent role in the Democratic Party? He was the vice president to the first black president. Right. And then the first black president. I don't think anybody would have ever guessed that would have happened. But, but I think that he also is something we embody. Like... Joe Biden's struggle in Biden's a lot of R's. He lost the family earlier. Uh, then he kept going. Then he got sick and he kept going. And then he lost a son again and kept going. I think his struggle in a lot of ways mirrors eyes. I, I think that, to, to me, this situation called for something we would have never done before. Like Joe Biden, I think if we don't have this, we don't have Trump and we don't have uh, Corona, we don't have Joe. Joe Biden's not president. I don't think that that happens. Let me let me actually let me tell one more at you. I think if Donald Trump would have just worn a mask, yeah, and pretended still, like he cared, yeah, yeah. he would have still been. Yeah. you're talking right about Joe Biden. Joe Biden is probably the only person who was running for president who could beat Donald Trump. That's what and I, I said. Somebody who supported Kamala Harris, but Joe Biden also is 180 degrees different from Don, Donald Trump. Like Donald Trump is a narcissistic uh, sociopath, right? And I think we all know that. But Joe Biden, here you have a man who represents so much empathy, so much care, so much compassion. Is he going to be this radical revolutionary? No, no, no. No, but he is the he's the healing solve that we needed at this particular moment. I think this. I think that it says a lot. I think you're right. I think that Trump all that do was feign empathy. He wins, but I think it he says doesn't the man don't. <laughs> he doesn't, I think all. it says a lot that God sent the same kind of. He had to send the same plague he sent at the Pharaoh to get that motherfucker out there. <laughs> <laughs> we ran out of frogs. Send them niggas Corona. Uh, <laughs> one thing: Does America have a path forward? Because I think the one of the ways that we move forward is we stop asking people to be with us who never will. I think that it's not it's not enough to gain power. You have to use it. And I think to use it to the people who service you is the way forward. So, look, I, I got two points on that. The first is it, it's frustrating me that a lot of good white folks, that's what I'm calling <laughs> a lot of good white folks uh, now want me to extend a hand over to those Trump supporters who didn't believe in the very essence of my existence. Right. Okay, well, next one, we should extend a hand. I'm not sure that's the way it works first. Um, and, you know, the second thing uh, about where we are is, and this is, this is when you drill down in the demographics, nothing in this country will change until white male evangelicals um, who actually ran this last administration actually grow some testicular fortitude and ascribe to the same Bible that the rest of us do um, to actually know Christianity and compassion looks like. One quote. Let me. Uh, one quote. Now you got on CNN. I, I use know, that. I like it. You could have said ball. You could say balls here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm married. I don't have any. Uh, listen. Um, you. Uh, one quote from the book that shocked you that you read it, uh, wrote it, and shocked you that it stayed in. A quote from the book. Something you wrote. A passage from the book. Oh man, I, I you know that that's actually good because I go through and tell people um, for the purposes of, of what we do on a daily basis. My father. Uh, would always tell me never argue with the fool because the people watching can't tell the difference. And so I, I utilize that in my daily work. I utilize that in my life and it helps conserve some energy, some patience and some 
uh, and a little bit of my, my sanity. So your, your book, uh, My Vanishing Country, a memoir, uh, it is a New York Times bestseller. And it takes a lot to get that done. And you ain't told one joke in the book. See, that's what's horrible to me. You still got a New York Times bestseller. Bakari no, Sellers. Thanks, Bakari. <laughs> Thank you, man. Take care. Congrats. Yeah, it's an honor, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care.